Amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs number 19, as I said a while ago, we're taking a pretty big chunk uh, of Scripture. Sometimes we just look at two verses or so, uh, usually three or four maybe at a time. Uh, but tonight we're looking at several verses, and so I won't read all of them together um, uh, to begin with. We'll kind of take them one at a time. Uh, as I've said quite often in this study, these are nothing, the subject matter is nothing new. The book of Proverbs uh, goes over things and goes over things, but as I repeat, uh, if God goes over it again and again, then it's important, and we need to go over it over again. And, uh, but we have been trying of late to just try to attach some things you know, a thought process to these um, uh, Proverbs as we look at them. Again, they all could stand on their own. Uh, but tonight, we're looking at some similar things we've already looked at. But uh, we're going to be, the title of the message tonight is Things We Better Not Give Much Slack On. And uh, that's kind of a phrase. Country folk probably understand that maybe a little better than, than some others, I suppose. And uh, sometimes we'll hear, you know, you've got to cut some people some slack. And, and just some explanations that I found uh, uh, it means to allow someone to do something that is not usually allowed or to treat someone less severely than is usual, uh, to allow someone some leeway in their conduct. Uh, now, you know, growing up on a farm, being around horses, my mind just automatically goes to that type of thinking. Uh, you know, sometimes you'd have to uh, cut a, a horse or, or even some cattle if you had them uh, roped up or something, a little bit of slack. And in other words, uh, a type of rope, if you will, that was tight or taunt. Uh, and you need to give a little, little slack there to give them a little more freedom or, or a little more movement. And uh, so that's what we mean by cutting slack, if you will. Uh, and certainly there are times, you know, spiritually speaking, uh, emotionally speaking as well, when we do need to cut people some slack. And, and uh, I think that's important. I believe the Bible even backs that up. But I also believe there are things that we shouldn't cut slack on either. In other words, there's some things we need to keep tight um, and, and draw it up, if you will. Uh, again, I believe the Bible uh, reveals this. And uh, so tonight we're going to be looking at several things. I'll, I'll preach through them quick. There's 12, I think, all together. Uh, but uh, things we had better not give much slack on, again, according to the book of Proverbs. So we'll just jump right into it. Number one, uh, we can't cut much slack when it comes to a dysfunctional home. What I mean by that is, is we need to be doing all we can. Uh, you know, there's a, there's kind of a, uh, I think a mentality there that we have to accept dysfunctionality in the home, and we don't want to do that. Amen. Uh, and and uh, uh, I want to read verse 13 here. It says, "A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions." Uh, that word contentions talk about being brawling, being argumentative. Uh, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. In other words, they cause a lot of aggravation in life. And so again, we're looking at this, you know, in the context of the home, uh, you know, because of the mention of, of children and certainly a wife there. Now, I want you to understand, I, I believe all homes to a certain degree are dysfunctional. And what I mean by that is we're dysfunctional. <laughs> you know, every one of us, we, you know, we all have some type of issue tonight. Amen. You may think you don't have any issues, but that would be one issue you have is you don't think you have any issues. Uh, but, <laughs> but we all have, you know, things we deal with, things that we struggle with. Uh, and so we're all dysfunctional in a sense. And, and I don't believe there's, you know, a perfect home out there because, because we're not perfect. And, and especially when compared to what God would desire us to be. So I'm not speaking of of a perfect family where there's no ever no problems or or anything like that 
Uh, and uh, uh, so we, you know, just don't want you to get the wrong idea here. But we shouldn't just give in with the, you know, whatever will be, will be. What is that? Uh, que or something like that. But, you know, you know there, there is that mentality. It's almost expected. Like, well, yeah, yeah, we're dysfunctional. Yeah, our kids run amok. Yeah, our marriage isn't happy. But everybody else is the same way too, right? And so we kind of accept some things. And, and I just don't think we want to cut any slack there. Um, and Scripture certainly teaches that if we apply the Bible to our lives in every area, it changes things for the better. Amen? I mean, no one can, can dispute that. It doesn't mean everything's always easy. But certainly when we become scriptural with our, with our thinking and with our motives, uh, our, our life certainly gets better, and that includes the, the, the home. And so when it comes to the home, we, we shouldn't cut much slack there. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, this would be a challenge to, to husbands that are leader of their home. But if there is no uh, husband, certainly uh, mom or what have you, uh, certainly would want to strive to, to have uh, a home that isn't dysfunctional. And we see there in verse 13, uh, you know, speaks to the husband concerning his children and his wife. And, and here, the first part we have here, a disobedient child. Um, uh, this is a home that, that would certainly be filled with constant strife and, and plagued with dysfunctionality. Uh, also there with a, a disrespectful wife uh, as well. Certainly that would cause a lot of problems in the home. And so, so uh, husband, wife, and children, we, we don't want to cut much slack when it comes certainly to the structure of the home, certainly to parental authority in the home. We'll talk about uh, discipline uh, later on uh, as we look at some other verses. But for tonight, I just want us to understand that we need to strive to make our homes a place of peace, amen, and not turmoil. I, I think that's important. We need that today. Um, certainly parental authority uh, needs to be strong in the home. You don't need to cut no slack there, amen. <laughs> that needs to be maintained uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and certainly, you know, a challenge there for the ladies, uh, you know, as well, uh, not from me tonight, but from the Word of God, from God that is. Um, uh, that word uh, contentious really, as I said, of all, talk about an argumentative, brawling, uh, uh, a, a wife that's quick to argue, uh, literally nagging, those types of things, uh, certainly that's going to lead to a dysfunctional home. And certainly, you know, I realize sometimes husbands aren't all they should be, uh, but um, uh, we need to, I tell people this all the time, look, whether it's a husband or wife, children, what have you, you can't control what the other does, but you control what you do. You need to be a good wife for the sake of God. Amen. You need to be a good husband for the sake of of God first, right, and, and so on. So I hope you can understand there. Uh, so, you know, maybe the husband isn't all they should be, but again, we only add to the dysfunctionality of the home when we don't respond in a biblical way. And uh, so again, this is something that parents, both parents, can't cut much slack in when it comes to dysfunctional home. Number two, uh, husbands don't cut any slack in appreciation for your wife. So I like this because it it, it also challenges the husband as well. Uh, house, verse 14, house and riches are in the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. And we have here somewhat of a contradiction, uh, not a contradiction, but comparative uh, thing here. And so what we see here, you know, in contrast to a wife who is contentious or brawling, uh, an understanding wife is something that's very valuable, certainly to the husband, but to the home as well. 
uh, more valuable. We see there some things concerning what we might say today of family inheritance. It's even more valuable than, than any type of family inheritance that you may get. And certainly a, a man should appreciate uh, uh, coming home, if you will, to a, we'll say a, because the wordage there, I'm just trying to you know, give you some words you might understand a little bit better, uh, should appreciate coming home to a pleasant-minded wife. I, you know, th that's something I believe that, that the Bible certainly teaches uh, throughout. And uh, so again, as husbands, uh, we need to make sure we don't cut any slack in showing our appreciation and love uh, for our wives. And, and again, we, you know, we, we should be that way. You know, we should treat her as Christ loves the church, no matter what she may or may not be doing. But again, you know, ladies, you know, I tell this, you know, it works both ways. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, husbands want uh, wives to be submissive uh, in a biblical way. Um, uh, but are you treating her as Christ loves the church? Amen. You know, so, you know, now again, ladies should do that anyway. But you understand what I'm saying, that that uh, listen, uh, uh, you as as ladies tonight, uh, you know, you need to strive to be that kind of wife to your husband. That's that's what you need to do. Uh, again, for the sake of the Lord, and certainly husbands need to be uh, very quick not to cut any slack there in showing appreciation uh, for your wife. Amen to that. You know, those first two points. If those two things right there would happen, a lot of dysfunctionality, dysfunctionality at home would cease. Amen. Number three, don't cut any slack when it comes to laziness. We, you know, here we are again. We're going to look at a couple verses on this one. Uh, look at verse 15. Slothfulness uh, casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And then in verse 24, we're going to kind of jump around here a little bit. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. We'll explain what those means. I've mentioned several times throughout these studies that laziness is one of the plagues of America. There's no doubt about that. Uh, laziness certainly uh, is the driving force of, of a lot of people that are living off other people today. There are just some people that just, they're just too lazy to work. They've learned how to work the system. But, but at the end of the day, it's just plain laziness. Amen? Uh, and, and certainly that's not something God will ever bless a home where, where parents are lazy. Uh, laziness, the thing is, it produces dishonesty. You know, uh, uh, I believe even theft in a lot of different cases, certain types of crimes go up. Um, uh, so much so that children can go hungry simply because parents are lazy. Uh, and so laziness is certainly a terrible, terrible thing, slothfulness. And so again, we, you know, we all, uh, you know, probably at times we struggle with that one way or another. I'm not saying to the degree where we won't take care of our family. But again, when it comes to being tempted with slothfulness in our own life, maybe even a small matter, we don't want to cut any slack there, amen? We need to ask God's forgiveness and, and get up and get at it. Uh, verse 24, probably one of the saddest pictures that, or pitiful pictures uh, that you'll find in Scripture of just how lazy a person can get. And uh, this is a man that is not only too lazy to work, but he's so lazy that he won't even lift his hand to his mouth to take a bite. That's how lazy he gets. In other words, he wants somebody to, to put it in there for him, to feed him. Isn't that an awful picture? That's what that's talking about there. And boy, I mean, you talk about self-entitlement. I mean, that's, that's certainly a picture of that. So certainly we don't want to cut any slack when it comes to laziness. Amen? Number four, don't cut any slack when it comes to God's Word. Amen to that. 
Look at verse 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despises his way shall die. And uh, so here's, here's the thing, guys. This isn't nothing new, but if, if you get out of the book, if you get out of the Bible, you're going to get out of God's will. Amen? I mean, it's just as simple as that. Uh, there's so many people that tell me that they love God and, and uh, you know, even love the Bible, but they're, they're, they're not in the Word of God. They're certainly not obeying the Word of God. If you don't spend time in the book, if you don't spend time in the Bible, you're not gonna, you won't know God's will. Amen? And, and so we see how all that ties together. Uh, a lot of times, the Bible even speaks of this, but, but a lot of times, you know, there's certainly some hard sayings in the Bible. Uh, sometimes people find what the Bible teaches too grievous for them, uh, too hard or restrictive, if you will. But God says, you know, if you keep my commands, you, you, you keep your soul. And uh, certainly even the mention of death there, um, I don't necessarily think that this is talking about spiritual death in, in heaven or hell, uh, but uh, certainly I think we would have to you know, consider what's being said here and take that very seriously. But I believe it could also just simply mean that you'll have a good life, amen? I mean, hey, listen, when you obey God, it's a blessing. It blesses your life to do what God says, amen? Uh, I mean, who, 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 wouldn't, who wouldn't believe that? Uh, so we don't want to cut any slack when it comes to God's Word. Number five, don't cut any slack in helping the poor. Uh, look there at verse 17, he that... Uh, hath pity upon the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. Uh, and that which he hath given, will he pay him again? We've talked about this too uh, several times throughout this study. Uh, we're to pity the poor, and that doesn't mean, you know, like all poor thing and, and uh, you know, not in a condescending way. Uh, what it's mainly saying, in other words, the pity here is causing you to take action. In other words, you're, you're going to do something to help them in some way. Um, uh, it actually means, the actual meaning of it is, is to stoop down and help. You know, you're, you're getting down and, you know, uh, spiritually speaking, and, and you're, you're helping them, if you will. Hebrews 6.10 tells us God doesn't forget our labor of love, which we show in his name. Uh, and I believe that last part of the verse there uh, uh, certainly, I think, uh, uh, testifies to that, uh, where he says in, in uh, that which he giveth, that he hath given, uh, will he pay him again. And so certainly there's blessings uh, to uh, not cutting slack and helping the poor. Uh, number six, don't be slack in disciplining your children. Amen. Uh, verse 18, chasten thy son uh, while there is hope. You know, I tell you what, folks, we really need to pay attention to these Bible words. <laughs> we need to really pay attention to what, what's, what it's saying here. In other words, let's look at it. Just the first part, chasten thy son while there is hope. What's, what's that implying? It's implying that if you wait too long, it's, it's not going to work like you want it to work. Amen? And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Amen. You know, uh, hey, listen, you know, I, I know it's not pleasant. I, I uh, you know, I was uh, brought up uh, in a home that, that uh, dad was the enforcer and and we didn't get spankings, we got whippings. Uh, and sometimes there were marks left. Um, and, uh, you know, with my children, uh, you know, I, I tell you, it, it was painful for me to do sometimes. I did not enjoy it. Um, but we, we have to do what God says, amen. Uh, I believe if we really love our children, we'll do whatever it takes, amen. And, you know, we look at some things here. And, and so we don't want to be slack in disciplining your children. You know, we have the tendency to cut our children slack when, when they're little. 
only to regret it later when they're older. You know, and that's, that's the problem. We think it's cute when they're three, but when they turn 13, all of a sudden, you know, I can't handle them anymore. Well, you could have back here. Amen. Uh, and, and so, again, you have to do it while there's hope. Listen, the Bible, God knows what he's talking about it. Uh, and here, really, the truth is, is very sobering. It's really implying a great deal more than what we might be comfortable to think about. It's very forceful. Um, and so disciplining your children when they are young has to do with that word hope. Uh, basically, the, the strong meaning of that is when you discipline them when they're young, it will keep them from dying when they get older. You know, there's where we have to really look at some things and understand the severity of not disciplining children. Um, it's better to see them crying when they're little than to go visit them in prison or to even stand over their grave because they picked a lifestyle that put them in danger. You know, that's, that's the forcefulness of that verse. You know, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but that's, that's, that's the hope that they're talking about there, okay? Uh, and again, uh, you know, I kind of go back to with laziness as well. I, I just think some parents, they just don't love their children enough to discipline them because it does take work, uh, and, and it is uh, uh, stressful on somebody as well. Um, uh, so we need to understand that. Also, uh, disciplining your children, we looked at verse 18. Let's look at verse 19 as well. It says, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. You know, um, sometimes the question would come up, you know, you know not, all, not all children are the same. Uh, sometimes there's strong-willed children, hot-tempered children, um, and by the way, verse 19, the context could be anyone. But the Bible teaches here that uh, certain last part of the verse, when we, you know, looking at it in the context of children, listen, if you just keep bailing, say, that, that, that son out, you know, in other words, he's not suffering the consequences of his bad attitude or his bad temper, all you're doing is enabling his bad behavior. You know, you're, you're rewarding him for he's actually getting what he wants, <laughs> and he'll just continue to do that. And uh, so, you know, strong-willed people, strong-willed children are usually going to take a strong hand of discipline to break them. Now, I know that goes against, you know, uh, modern child psychology, and I don't even know if I believe in child psychology, but, but uh, uh, I just believe what the Bible says, amen? And, uh, uh, you know, we are to break their will, amen? You know, I mean, hey, listen, if you don't break their will, they will be running the house, which is the case in a lot of homes today. Uh, and so that's, that's our job. And, and our, you know, hey, listen, they're, I know they're cute, and, you know, and they're little angels, you know, in our eyes, uh, but they're, they're full of sin. <laughs> and, and we have to do what God says to, to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. Uh, and if they're strong-willed, it's going to take some strong discipline to do that. Uh, but if we make excuses for them and, and, and bail them out instead of him facing just punishment, we only make it harder to deal with, uh, and you'll have to keep bailing him out too. Uh, and certainly that's uh, not, not fun. Also, let's, look, let's pick up verse 26 and 27 along these lines as well. Uh, it says, He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Notice the, the uh, plea here too, uh, the rebellious child, cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from words of knowledge. 
you know, when a child gets away with disrespect uh, of, the, of his or her parents, uh, that's not going to do them any favor. You know, later on in life, they're going to suffer, suffer shame and disgrace themselves. Certainly, they're going to go astray as well. And so we'll stop with that one. But parents, listen, we cannot be slack in disciplining our children because the bottom line with all these verses, you put them all together, if we don't discipline, discipline our children, we ruin their lives. You ruin their lives. Amen. You know, so we, we have to take these things uh, as God sees them. Number seven, uh, we can't be slack in taking instruction and advice. Uh, verse 20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, if we want to be wise when we get older, we've got to listen to people when we're younger. Amen. I've certainly failed in that area. I can remember being at an age when nobody could tell me anything. <laughs> uh, but now that I'm older, I realize not only did I need a lot of help then, but I still need a lot of help, amen, and, uh, and still do. Uh, but we, my, the point for tonight is we should never stop seeking counsel again from others. Um, that's the very reason God puts certain people in our lives. Uh, good, wise, biblical counsel it not only profits you in the present, but it'll profit you in the future as well, you know, especially when you're young, so you need to listen, amen? Listen, listen. So we can't be slack in taking instruction and advice. Number eight, we can't be slack when it comes to God's will for our life. Um, God, does everybody in here tonight believe that God has a will for your life? Amen. Do you believe the will for your life will be biblical? Amen, it will, okay? So, so we need to start right there. So we can't be slack when it comes to that. Look at verse 21. Uh, there are many devices in a man's heart. In other words, there's plans. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You know, <laughs> you know again, uh, what this is talking about is God's will has to prevail over our will. You know, that, that's a losing battle, and a lot of people are battling that battle. We may make plans, we have all these certain strategies for our life, but the Lord's counsel, counsel that is, must stand no matter what we think we should be doing. Amen. You know, we have to uh, listen to, to, to find God's will in our life. And because, for one thing, God is sovereign. We are not. Amen. He sees everything uh, at once. And, and only He knows the future. Uh, certainly only He knows uh, what is best for our lives, not us. And, of course, the question is, all right, preacher, but how do I know God's will? Uh, and, and this is what Solomon, uh, again, was, was saying there to his son. Look at verse 21. Uh, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Where do children get counsel from the Lord from? How, how do children learn what God is telling them? From parents. Amen. Solomon is saying to his son, Solomon is saying he's the author of Proverbs. Now, we understand it's God-inspired, but, but Solomon is giving the wise counsel, and so we have to accept, not just parents, but, but as I said a while ago, God puts certain people in our lives to help us to find God's will in our lives. You know, that's how it's going to come, okay, is through other people, and I'm certainly guilty of this, but I wonder how many times we ignore God's leading in our lives because we ignore or we think little of the person that God is using to help us. God puts that individual in your life. He puts them in front of you to tell you uh, what you need to hear to follow the will of God. But we don't, we kind of ignore that. We, we brush it off. Amen. Uh, and that's sad to see. 
And certainly that can be tragic. I mean, listen, we don't want to cut any slack when it comes to God's will for your life. Number nine, do not cut any slack when it comes to kindness and loyalty. Look at verse 22. The desire of a man uh, is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. And so again, this is about kindness towards others. We would say, you know, Christian friends, the church family, if you will, staying loyal to those friendships, uh, those types of things. And so the Bible's teaching us it's, it's better to be a kind and loyal friend and be broke than, than to be rich and, and pretend, lie, about having loyal friendships. Oh, I love so-and-so so much. Oh, they're such good people. That is until they say something you don't like them to hear or they cross you in some way. And, you know, it's always amazing to me that we can go from singing the praises of somebody and in a matter of, of, of a minute, you know, we're done with them. <laughs> As I often say, you know, you didn't really love them in the first place if that's easy, right? Uh, and so we need to not cut any slack when it comes to kindness and loyalty. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people we love don't do the right things. We shouldn't be so quick to destroy those friendships. Uh, there's something also implied here as well. Uh, certainly when it comes to lying, the book of Proverbs, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Uh, this is really talking about not necessarily just telling a, a lie of some kind, but this is, is somebody that's feigning themselves, playing the role, trying to be something they are not. They want to be a big shot. Uh, somebody like that is not capable of being a loyal friend to anyone because they'll, they'll always choose what they think is better for them. So we don't want to cut any slack when it comes to kindness and loyalty. Number 10, don't cut any slack when it comes to trusting uh, and reverencing the Lord. Amen. Verse 23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. That makes sense, doesn't it? By the way, what if we don't fear the Lord? What that tendeth to? Figure it out, right? Fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. You know, most of the unbiblical, maybe every unbiblical decision we make in life is because we're trying to satisfy ourselves. I mean, that's why we disobey God. We don't think we could do it God's way and be satisfied. We have to do it our way. Uh, and so certainly the fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. Uh, he shall not uh, be visited with evil. Amen. Isn't that what we want? I mean, don't, don't we want to live a peaceable life? And that word evil, not necessarily talking about, you know, wicked things that certainly include that, but, but it's just talking about, you know, bad things that come into our life, situations, you know. We, you know, we, we talked about dysfunctional homes, those types of things. Hey, listen, you know, there, there, there's something about trusting and reverencing the Lord. It, it brings a satisfied life. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Trust, reverence proper fear of the Lord, all that, by the way, goes hand in hand. You can't say you love the Lord, but you don't reverence the Lord. You can't say, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't do anything he says. The, you know, that you're just kidding yourself, okay? Uh, a reverent attitude in relation to God. That's why your pastor, I know I, I, know I sound so old-fashioned sometimes, but, but listen, that's why I don't like all this sloppiness out there in the world today. All this, you know, laid-backness and, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, I, I, listen, you know, <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's nothing wrong with, with, with showing some reverence. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I think that's good, whether it's at the home, on the job, what have you. But a reverent attitude relation to God, it produces, we'll just say, certain attributes. And, um, you know, it's about being submissive, obedient to God, not trying to prove your point. It's trusting Scripture and, 
you know, over how you might feel about something. Amen? Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how I feel. You hear me? It doesn't matter how you feel tonight. The only thing that matters is what God says. That's all that matters. Your, your feelings just don't really have a place in there, okay? But the thing is, is when you do what God says, you'll feel better. <laughs> Amen. You'll feel better. And uh, so do what God says. Reverence Him above all, above anybody else, you know. Hey, listen, if you're having to choose between obeying God and pleasing somebody else, you know what you need to do. Um, and if you do that, you'll be satisfied in the Lord, and you'll avoid evil. Number 11, I'm trying to hurry along here. Uh, don't be slack in accepting reproof. Now, I know we don't always like to be uh, gotten on to, uh, but uh, we need to understand some things. Look at verse 25. Smite a scorner, uh, and the simple will beware. They'll learn uh, from the punishment of somebody else. And reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. And so this tells us that even a person with limited understanding can learn a lot from reproof, even the reproof of another. In other words, even when they see another being smited, in this case a scorner. A scorner, is, that's a strong word in the Bible. It's, it's really somebody that is so hard-hearted, so hard -hearted, that is, that even severe punishment is ignored. They're just, they're not getting it. Uh, certainly that's foolish and will ultimately lead to the destruction. But a wise person, even if, they're, uh, even if they're limited in understanding, they'll see that. They're not going to admire that person and glorify their rebellion. They're going to say, I don't think I want that. <laughs> you know, what did that person do for that to happen to them? Whatever it is they did, I don't want to do. Amen. That, that's wisdom. Uh, and certainly we need to, to learn from that. They'll learn... Uh, really from, from uh, that fool, if you will, and it's really stupidity. Uh, and they'll, they'll do right. Uh, those who accept reproof, that's, a, that's really a, more of an easier word. It, it's really, it's not chastisement like we would think. It's really talking about verbal correction. Um, it means uh, maybe a scolding or maybe a dressing down, if you will. Um, they, they accept it. You know, they, they listen to it. Um, they accept it, they allow it. What I mean is they allow it to help, help them and change them, make them better. That's very wise, amen. Uh, and they do this uh, uh, before the more severe discipline comes. And, and certainly that's pretty wise, amen. So let's not be slack in accepting uh, reproof. We might say righteous reproof. And finally, number 12, don't cut any slack when it comes to justice. Look at verse 28 and 29. We've, caught, we've hit every verse. I know we skipped around. We only got these two verses left. Don't cut any slack when it comes to justice. Uh, verse 28 says, An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Verse 29, Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. You know, a false testimony, as we've seen throughout the study of the book of Proverbs, certainly mocks justice. Uh, one who flaunts the law mocks justice. I had a friend of mine, this was before I was saved, and... and um, we, we were good friends, uh, not anymore. I, I don't even know where he lives now, but, but uh, we, we, we ran around a lot, did a lot of things together, hunted and fished and, fished and those types of things. Um, but he, he was a rebel, you know. He had his run-ins with the law. And this was before I saved, and, and I remember thinking, this, you know, this, this isn't good. But his son was there. At the time, his son was probably about 14. And my buddy, he just loved to brag about, you know, doing illegal things. You know, it wasn't like he was robbing banks or anything, but 
you know, just, you know, just different things. And, um, but he would always do this in front of his son. And his son would just sit there. You could just tell the admiration he had for his dad. He was just smiling the whole time. Like, that's my dad, the rebel. And even as a lost man, I was, you know, I had a son by then. And I was like, that, you know, I don't know whatever become of him. But, you know, I thought that, you know, that boy's headed for trouble. Amen. You know, um, we don't want to cut any slack when it comes to justice. Amen. Somebody that flaunts the law, mocks justice. You know, if we desire our children to be law-abiding citizens, then we all do the same thing, amen. You know, uh, you know, maybe you're just, you know, lying about something to get a good deal on something, taking maybe something back to the store that probably shouldn't have been brought back. Now, your child sees that, and they say, well, if that's okay, then why can't I just go in the store and grab what I want and put it in my pocket? Right? You see, what we don't understand is our children, they'll always go a little farther than we do. That's just human nature. So we don't want to be slack when it comes to justice being fair. If we desire our children to be law-abiding citizens, we can't distort justice and what's right and by flaunting the law, bragging about it, breaking the laws. Uh, verse 29 tells us those who... Uh, basically ignore God-ordained authority, uh, they're fools. Judgment's prepared for scorners. I mean, that's why we have even secular law today. It's, you know, government. Uh, it's to keep people in line and stripes for the back of fools. Um, you know, uh, those that ignore this authority uh, are fools, and they can look forward to stripes on their back. Now, that was the judicial punishment in Bible days, and I kind of think we ought to bring that back. I, I think it would really start solving a lot of problems really quick. Uh, but we have different ways of punishing people. Um, and, and, you know, it's those that just keep doing the same thing, same punishment. That's foolish, you know. Um, and, and, again, if we flaunt the law, maybe even in a minor offense, listen, our children are always going to take it further. And, and, and they're going to they're end up, you know, in prison, you know, or... You know, just being a thug. You know, I, you know, I, no, nobody wants that for their children. Amen. Nobody holds their little baby in their arms when they're born and goes, "I hope he grows up and steals cars and deals drugs, and spends twenty years in prison." Nobody, nobody in their right mind would ever say that, right? Amen. Amen. Now, listen. You know, uh, there's no guarantee that's not going to happen. <laughs> you need to. Get a hold of the Word of God, amen. It's so important, it's so important. So we'll get ready for the invitation. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. And here's, here's the thing, you know, again, um, you know, we've looked at the severe end of all of these things, but maybe there's just some things that, that you've let a little slack, you, you've let off a little bit in your life. I'm not saying they're major things, but... Um, as I said a while ago, there's things we, we, we can and should cut slack on. But as we've seen in the study, there are a lot of things we cannot cut any slack on. And, and maybe there's an area in your life tonight that, that you realize, hey, I need, I need to tighten the reins up a little bit here. I need to, I need to snug this up in my life. Um, some areas that I've been cutting some slack that I shouldn't be. Maybe just come tonight and pray about that. Again, it's prayer time. It's uh, Bible study time. And and uh, we're going to have a, a chance for you to come to this altar and do business with the Lord. And 
maybe there's just something on your heart and mind tonight that necessarily wasn't brought up in the message, I encourage you to come to this altar and do business with the Lord tonight. And, uh, maybe grab uh, another and, and have them pray with you. Again, ladies with ladies, men with men, unless you're married. Uh, but uh, uh, just don't leave here today with any unfinished business. Come and use this altar.